Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. short uh, 62 days from now, Sharla and myself are going to be launched into um, territories that are uncharted to us and unknown to us because um, it's this time in our lives that we're so excited. And according to many of you that have shared with us your experiences of having a baby uh, in just short 62 days from now, having a baby has already begun to mess with my head. And a lot of you are sitting here saying, you think that you're messing with your head now. You wait till that baby gets here, and you're really going to understand what messing with head is all about. So, so let me explain to you what I'm talking about. I've noticed something about myself since God has given us this beautiful child that's going to be uh, 62 days from now giving to us. Uh, but I've noticed something about myself. I, I've been spending a lot of time calculating, and I've been calculating time Everybody say time. I've been calculating time. I don't know why. Maybe you played these games. Maybe I'm not unique. Maybe you had the same kind of thoughts that I did. But I'm playing games with myself like, when I'm 50, he will be. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because I'm 34 years old. I'm kind of getting up there. Y'all feel sorry for me? That's what I thought. When he graduates high school, carry the two. I'll be... When I'm too old to care, he will be... I start playing these games in my mind and calculations of trying to figure out how old I'm going to be in comparison to how old he's going to be. And you know the stuff that I'm talking about. But ultimately, what I'm trying to calculate is how long I have left. That's really what I'm talking about and what I'm thinking about in myself because suddenly time matters to me. It it mattered before, but now I'm thinking I want to be around when this baby is 4, 3, 16. Well, I may not want to be around when he's 16. (laughs) I started planning for the future. This, this event that God has blessed us with has, has caused me to consider things and plan for things like life insurance. That's an interesting thing, life insurance. Anybody have life insurance? Don't raise your hand. Somebody in here might think, put something together. Life insurance is important for those that you leave behind. It's not so much for you, but it's for the person that you... <laughs> Never mind. I started thinking about retirement. Now, that's never going to happen, first of all. Just get that out of my head right now. But Pastor Mitch and I went into a Cracker Barrel yesterday on our way to a funeral. And I I looked and saw rocking chairs. And I tipped one thinking, this this is neat. I, I, I need a rocking chair. And I've never thought about having rocking chairs before. But suddenly time matters. Suddenly time matters. And isn't it true that we all want to have a long, healthy, and successful, and a God-blessed life? Can I get an amen right there? 
We all want that. Let me tell you what that looks like, is living up to the God-ordained plans and ministry and, and whatever that looks like, to live up to that full potential that God has for your life. That is what a successful, plentiful life looks like, and I know that's what we all want. But if we're honest and we calculate the average lifespan, we can get an estimated time of the time that we have left. That's refreshing. That sounds like something you'd want to preach about tonight, about the time that we have left. It sounds terrible, and it, it sounds like, like time has us by the throat, and we don't want to think about that necessarily, about adding up the time that we have left by taking the average of a, of a lifespan. You, you know, you can do that. There's actually websites that you can plug in crazy stuff about your age, what time you were born, where you were born. Don't go to that website. It's terrible. And it actually has a countdown clock on your life. <laughs> terrible thing to think about. Every one of us are haunted. Every one of us want to run away from time, but it's absolutely impossible to do that. Amen? Yes. For example, have you ever noticed... Uh, we're we're kind of consumed with this. We're kind of obsessed with time. You ever notice how many clocks that you have in your house? Anybody? Anybody ever notice this? Let me let me run a few. Uh, you have one on your wrist. You have one on your phone. You have one on your microwave. And the one the microwave one is always off, isn't it? Is anybody? Maybe not. There's one in the living room. There's one on the TV, and that's the one that's always right. There's the one in the car, and it's always an hour behind because you can't ever. And there's one by the bed. Now, let me tell you something funny about the one by the bed. We are so lazy at our house that we bought an alarm clock that actually projects the numbers on the ceiling above the bed. I'm so lazy that I don't even want to turn my neck to look and see. I literally, all I have to do is pry my eyes open and look straight up in bed to see what time it is. You're laughing, but we're consumed with this thing. We're consumed with time. It's a red number on the ceiling. Some people have clocks in the showers, and that's kind of where I draw the line right there is I don't want to be... Now, some of you are like, yeah, you'll change your mind when you have kids because kids take forever in the shower, right? Am I right? No? I've heard that. So... Just to be aware of time is, is not necessarily as important to us. We're consumed with it. We're obsessed with it. Like in the middle of the night, someone calls you. If somebody calls you in the middle of the night, let's say after 12 o'clock, if you call past 9 o'clock, we're asleep in our house, and I'm looking up. The first thing you do when the phone rings, when they wake you up when you're in bed, what do you do? You don't answer the phone. What do you do? Play along. Everybody participate. What do you do? You look at the clock. You absolutely look at the clock because what you're doing is, is you're arming yourself with the time. So when you answer that phone and you say hello, the first thing you say is, do you know what? Am I right? Because you want them to know. Obviously, you don't have a clock that projects on the ceiling if you're calling past this time. And you just are misinformed about what time it is. And I need to help you with that. Do you have any idea what time it is? We're all bound and we're all chained to time. If you don't believe that, I'll preach all night. <laughs> of course we are. We're all consumed with it. We're, we're, we're chained to it. Time matters. Timing matters. Things, patterns, uh, 
clocks in our life and in our homes and in calendars in our life, they matter. They're important to us and they're for a reason. Time is the great rev- uh, leveler in life. It's the one resource that is in absolute terms. You, you don't, just because you're a busy person or you get a lot done doesn't mean that you get to add to your time. It doesn't work that way. If you waste it, it's the same amount. If you work all day and fill up the 24 hours, it's the same 24 hours. Amen? Amen. The clock plays no favorites. It's the great equalizer. We see this played out in sports all the time. I won't bring up Alabama. I wish Jaron was in here. I would bring it up. Vince Lombardi said this, I never lost a game I just ran out of time. One of the most dramatic and greatest elements of sports is the race against the clock. It's simple. The team that is most productive in the allotted time is the team that wins the game. That's how it works. But of course in sports, unlike in life, we're not given the incredible power to call timeouts. Timeouts is where you can control the clock, the powerful clock, the almighty clock, the clock that never stops. In sports, you can call a timeout. Man, that wouldn't that be handy in life? Wouldn't you like to be able to call a timeout every now and then? Every now and then, when I have to make big decisions and things are coming down to the wire and I have projects, I'd like to say, Time out. Stop the press. Stop everything. I need to think about this. I need more time. Wouldn't it be nice the next time you need to catch your breath? Wouldn't it be nice the next time that you had to handle something with your children, you could call a time out and think it through clearly? Isn't it true that many times in life that we feel as though the clock is running out? Don't you ever feel like there's prayers that you've prayed that are not coming to fruition, or God is not truly answering necessarily the way you thought that he would. Maybe the scoreboard may look like this. Hope is four, and death, ten, with only one second left on the clock. And in our story that we're going to read tonight, there's a scenario, a scenario that Jesus gives us. It's found in John chapter 11. You know this story frontwards and backwards, and if you didn't, we just preached about it. But God has so ordained us to look at this again. Jesus sets up a real-life scenario where time is of the most utmost importance in this story. And time is running out. And since in real life there's no such thing as timeouts, these people didn't have timeouts just like you didn't have timeouts. And it's running thin. In John chapter, chapter 11, in verse number 1, it's the story of Lazarus. And we're going to skip around, and I'm going to read a couple of verses, and we're going we're to open those verses, and I have a couple of points, and we're going to get out of here pretty early. So if pastor asks, you just tell him we got out late. You okay with that? Y'all are consumed with time. John chapter 11 and verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness is not unto the end in death. No, it is for the glory of so that it is for God's glory, rather, so that God's Son may be glorified in it. Now, Jesus loved Martha, 
and her sister and Lazarus. And I find it funny in verse 5 that, that John had to tell us that Je- Jesus loves everybody. But John takes the time to pin down that Jesus loved Mary, he loves Martha, and he loved Lazarus. And the reason he does that is because the next few things that we're going to read and what happens in this narrative is they're going to absolutely blow your mind if you're, if you're brand new to church and you don't really understand what's, what's about to take place. John has to go ahead and concrete in and foundation. Don't forget, Jesus loves Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So Jesus, what happens next? Jesus says to them, in, 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 in verse number 6, So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. I thought you loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They sent to you a message that said, Lazarus is sick. And Jesus stayed where he was two more days, and yet he loved them. Two days later, he's suddenly ready to go back. And in verse 7, after two days later, after receiving this message, he says, let's go back to, to Judea. And his disciples try to talk him out of going back there because their lives have been threatened there. There are people waiting there to stone them. They're ready, they're ready to take their life there. They weren't concerned about Lazarus. And so Jesus says, no, I'm ready to go back. And so in between here, Jesus begins this talk with them. He begins to talk to them about uh, a candle and about a pathway and about darkness. It has everything to do with time. It has everything to do with time, and it has everything to do with opportunity, and it has everything to do with seizing the opportunity and the time that you have left. And Jesus is trying to explain this to them on their way back to Judea. And he tells them on their way, he says, friends, Lazarus has fallen asleep. And they think that Jesus is talking about Lazarus taking a nap. And you thought you were carnal. These men thought that Lazarus was taking a nap. And so here's what they blurred out with in verse number 12. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll probably get better. There's really no need for us to go back to Judea. Plus, they're going to try to take our head off when we go back. I, I think this is a good idea just to go ahead and let him sleep. Verse 14, Jesus makes the most mind blowing statement possibly in the entire Bible. He says this Lazarus is dead. I'm going to clarify, he speaks plainly. Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. That's tough. So that, purpose statement, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And then verse 17, jump down to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Everybody say four days. This is where we have to pause. This drama is unfolding really fast, and it's hard to build the climax up until what it really was in this drama that was really there in this moment. But back in Bethany, Lazarus has been dying without morphine. Back in Bethany, his sisters had been taking care of him, and they didn't have any drugs to give him. Back in Bethany, they were trying to figure out what he was even dying of. And they're living with the reality of a dying relative in their house. And they send an urgent message back to Jesus, the one that loved Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, that one. And they say to him, 
He is sick. We are desperate for you. Mary and Martha had been kneeling down the bedside of Lazarus, taking and wiping his brow and the sweat off his, feet, off his face from the fever. And they've been worrying and fretting over him, waiting on Jesus to show up, telling Lazarus, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. We've already sent word to Jesus. He's going to make a grand entrance. Everything's going to be just fine. And then no Jesus. What's going on? What's happening? They will be here, Mary said to Martha. They're going to come. I just know it. Jesus wouldn't leave us out like this. Mary, you go out by the roadside and stay there and watch for him. I'll stay here with Lazarus. Just look for him. Just Have you seen this play out in, your, in, in families where a, a loved one is sick and is dying and they call and they drive across country and they're trying everything they can to get there in time. They drive up into the driveway and a lot of times they barely make it in the room and they go. Anybody ever heard of that? Seen that experience? Maybe this is what they're waiting for. They're trying to keep Lazarus alive. Jesus is coming. Don't worry. Hold on to hope. Hold on. Don't give up. We've seen complete strangers healed by Jesus of Nazareth. We've seen people he didn't even know healed and, and made whole. Surely, he knows us. He knows where we live. He stayed here. He knows us by name. We've seen the Gentiles. We've seen Roman, people in the Roman Empire healed and touched by Jesus. Jesus will be here. We have the faith that Jesus won't be late. We're running out of time. Where's Jesus? What could be delaying Jesus? So they wait and they wait and they wait. And the community around gathers around and they begin to wait. And they begin to wait. Mary and Martha grasping for answers as time is running out. And the clock is ticking down. And all they can do is wait. They want to call a timeout. It would have been nice to call a timeout right then and stop the clock. They just need to stop the clock and make it to when Jesus can get to the house so Lazarus can be healed. Haven't you ever prayed? God, I need you to show up. And I don't just need you to show up. I need you to show up on time. Anybody ever prayed that? God, I don't need you tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow's too late. They've been calling all day. I'm going to go ahead and need you to show up right now. This is where they are. This is the hope that they have holding out for Jesus. This is where they are. And you can feel this tension. You can feel this dilemma that's taking place. And this community that's standing there wondering, I can't believe Jesus isn't showing up. This is unbelievable. We know we got the message. The guy came back, told us he got it just fine. You know, there's a saying in sports. And maybe you've heard it. No doubt you have. And it says, it's not over until it's over. Anybody ever heard that? It's not over until it's over. And we've seen this play out in sports over the years where in one second left on the clock and someone screams out, there's a team that's behind, and a, and a team member screams out, it's not over until it's over. Don't give up. Don't give in. There's still time left on the clock, and I love, I love, if I had a handkerchief right now in an organ, I couldn't do it. I wish I could. I don't have that. I, I want to. I can't. I love to preach about it's not over until it's over. It's not over until it's over. That preaches so good. I, 
I could preach from Mark chapter 5 where the woman with the issue of blood spent all she had and she got worse. She had tried everything she could and time was running out. She had no more options, no more money, and it was bleak and time was running out on her life. And then in Mark chapter, Mark chapter 5 and verse 27 says this, But when she heard of Jesus... She made her way through the press and touched his garment and was healed. A woman that the clock was running down on said, it's not over until it's over. And found her way through the press and touched the garment of Jesus. Look at your neighbor and tell him, it's not over till it's over. It's not over till it's over. It's not over till it's over. You have no idea what God can do. He's not limited. You think back to me. This is good preaching. This is good preaching. Anybody, anybody in here can preach it's not over till it's over. Anybody in here. There's not a person up here that could stand up here and preach this. Think back to when the children of Israel are making their way out of Egypt. They are running for their life and Pharaoh's right on their tracks. He is right on them and they run right directly into the Red Sea. They're faced with an insurmountable object. They can't go over the sea. Pharaoh's right behind them. They can't turn around. And they look at each other and say, oh, this is it, huh? This is what we were saved for. This is what God brought us out for, to bring us out here and to die. We would have been better if we'd have stayed back there in Egypt. Now it's over. This is crazy. Why did we leave this place? And suddenly God says it's not over until it's over. He makes a way out of no way. He rolls back the Red Sea. See, this is such, such easy preaching. It's just like, yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing to me. The many miracles. Daniel and the lions, it's not over till it's over. Joseph in, in, the, in the jail. Joseph in the pit, it's not over till it's over. Amen. Those preach great and the church says amen. amen. A man approached a Little League baseball game one afternoon. He asked the boy in the dugout, he says, what's the score here, young man? The little boy responds to him. He says, 18 to nothing, and we're behind. The guy says, boy, you surely must be discouraged being 18 to nothing. The little boy looked up at him and said, I'm not discouraged. We ain't had a bat yet. (laughs) In other words, what he's saying is it's not over until it's over. As long as there's time on the clock, there's an opportunity, there's a chance. Give God a chance. As long as there's breath in your body, as long as you are breathing and walking around, there is a chance. God has a chance in your life. God is not finished with you. Give God a chance. It's not over till it's over. It's not over till it's over. Tell somebody it's not over till it's over. Not over. That's fun. That's fun preaching. And I, I, if I would have had, I thought Pastor Randy was going to run up here, but he didn't. Uh, I, I think I think it went over better. That's fun preaching, and it's true. It's it's an absolute fact. It's not over till it's over. No matter how bleak it is, no matter how much you've lost, no matter where you are, it is not over until it's over. I have another question for you, though. What happened when the unthinkable happens? What happens? What happens when Lazarus dies? What happens when it's over? 
what happens then? In our text, the unthinkable does happen, and now Lazarus is dead. And still, and still, no Jesus. Martha says, maybe he will come today. And still, no Jesus. Time is running out, and it is over. Lazarus is dead. Anybody ever heard the expression, Elvis is... Elvis is dead. Deal with it. Lazarus is dead. No coming back. Time is out. It's not over till it's over. Is It's over. And finally, the people that took care of things like this, that buried people, came to Mary and Martha and they said, Listen... it's time to take him to the tomb. It's time to take him and bury him. No, we can't yet. Jesus is still coming. They're still holding on to hope. We can't send send him away yet. We can't do this yet. And they they tear him away. I see them tearing them away from Lazarus because they had the hope that Jesus was going to show up. Because it's not over till it's over. Because we've all preached that. We've all experienced that. And you're supposed to have that. And don't ever lose that. But what happens when it is? Mary and Martha are now standing at a tomb that has a sealed door and their brother's dead inside. It's over. Time has run out. So they watch as they wrap their brother in grave clothes and they put him in a tomb. They roll the stone in front of it and probably seal it and begin to cry and begin to mourn. And guess what? Still no Jesus. Ouch. That hurt. It's over. And still no Jesus. Your brother's dead. And you had a promise from Jesus that he would not die. Your promise is now laying in grave clothes in a dark cave. And this is where we live sometimes, isn't it? Where we're tired and we're confused and full of questions. And you just knew that you knew that you knew that God was going to come through and he was going to make a way where there seemed to be no way. But now it's over. And Elvis is dead. No matter how hard you think yourself happy, you just can't get there. No matter how much you try to explain it away, you just can't get there because it's over. Verse 20, when, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, boy, you think she was a little upset? When she heard he was coming, she come tearing out of the house and she met him on the highway. She went out to meet him, the Bible says, but Mary stayed at home. Now, I don't know why Mary would stay at home. Lazarus was already dead. She had nothing else to do. He, she wasn't taking care of him anymore. I have, an, I have an opinion about this. I think she was ticked off. I think she was mad because now it's over. I mean, what do you do with the kind of emotions that say you could have, but you didn't? You should have, but you didn't. I would have, God, but you didn't. We gave you every opportunity to make it on time, and you didn't make it. You love strangers, and you love Romans, and you love Gentiles more than you love your own people. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you would have got here in time, if you would have made it in time, 
if you'd have shown up in the place that you were supposed to show up with, at, with the thing that you were supposed to show up with, then this would not be taking place. This is absolutely your fault. It's your doing. And she runs back to Mary and she tells her, you got to go see him. you got to go see the master. So Mary runs out. And it's pretty much the same conversation with Jesus that Martha had. Why didn't you get here on time? Why couldn't you have stopped this? Why couldn't you have just made it? I know that you're the son of God. I know you can do anything. Why would you not show up on time and make this go away? And John tells us in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping... And the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. In verse 34, where have you laid him, he asked. Where have you put him? And then he said, ask, come and see, they replied. In verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, Jesus said. But the Lord, but Lord, I love this. But Lord, Martha, the sister of the dead man, this time, by this time, there is a bad odor. Let me interpret. He stunk. For he has been in there four days. Now, you've got to understand this. They've already had the conversation on the road. Now she's kind of just turning the knife. Oh, 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 now you want to roll away the stone. Well, okay. Well, you do know that you you didn't just miss the funeral. Like, we didn't just have the funeral. This has been four, read it for yourself. For he has been there four days. Where you been? Oh, now you're ready to do something. It's over. Remember that four days. Four days is very, very significant in the first century because of this. They believed. Now get this. This is way out there. This is, this is way out there. In the first century, they believed this. After the death, they believed that the spirit of the person that had died hovered over the body for three days. Three days. And what happened was they would, they would hover over the body and they would look at the body wanting to return, the spirit wanting to return to the body. This is what their beliefs were. And what happened was when they started to deform or to decay, the spirit would then not recognize the body and not want to return and move on. So what Jesus was really saying, in other words, is, I'm going to wait until there is no hope left. When all your superstition is gone, with all the way that you keep time and the way you think about how, how the soul and the, and the body could be reunited after the third day, after time expires and the clock goes to zero, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait it out because I've got something to show you. Now, you need to catch this. The number four in the Bible, the fourth day of creation means this. It's, it doesn't mean anything. It just... On the fourth day, God set the heavens in relationship to the planet Earth. Let me explain to you. It, on the fourth day, God created the sun, the moon, the solar system, and the stars, and all of the heavenly bodies. The number four represents the relationship in the, of the Earth to the heavens. This relationship is defined as a set of clocks to measure increments of time, seasons, and history. So on the fourth day, God created all the time that we use to take time now and then. And it was like Jesus was saying, I'm about to mess with y'all's clocks like you've never seen before. 
You people are so messed up on your time. You're so messed up on your thinking, on your three days, and you got to get here in time, that I'm going to show you something. I'm going to reveal something to you that you have no idea that I am and what I can do for you. The whole thing in this chapter is about time. The whole thing in this, in this particular verse is about time. It's about the fourth day of creation. You're acting like I work on your timetable, Jesus is saying. I won't be put in a time restraint. I won't be put in a box that you think I need to fit in. I won't be put in a clock. I'm bigger than your time. Jesus waited until their hope was gone. He waited to the clock had hit double zeros, and it was over to reveal to them that when all hope is gone, and there's no time left, and it's over, that he still has all authority, and his power transcends all time and all space. He says, I don't care if it's your watch, my watch, the moon, the stars, the sun, however you keep time. Time won't stop me from doing what I know I can and should do for thy father. He said, I'm Alpha. I'm Omega. I'm the first. I'm the last. I know you want to hem me in. I know you want to put time restraints on me. So I'm going to show up on the fourth day. I'm going to give a divine delay so that you can understand that I'm not just a God that can show up. I'm not just a God that can heal. I'm not just a God that can deliver. And I know that I've been preaching it's not over till it's over. But I want you to know that it's not over when it's over. I want you to know that no matter what happens, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're facing, when it's over... Y'all ain't got it yet. Sports has the saying, it's not over till it's over. But only Jesus has the truth. Only Jesus has the truth that is so powerful that says, it's not over when it's over. Does that blow your mind? How can that be? Mary, Martha, wringing their hands, wringing their head, wore out, hurt, convicted, offended that Jesus wouldn't show up on time. Jesus is saying, there's no such thing as me being late. Do you understand? God can't be late. It's impossible for God to be late. That sounds a whole lot like a mistake, and he can't make a mistake. I wish I could, I might throw one of these Christmas trees right here. Come on. Disappointment won't stop him. Discouragement won't stop him. Death can't hold him. Jesus stands at the mouth of a cave and commands for them to take away the stone. Verse 43, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The dead men came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strings and linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Four days? Y'all worried about four days. Y'all worried about fitting me into a time. And here I am, 
I'm not going to be delayed. I know y'all are worrying about the decomposition, but decomposition won't keep me back. Deformity won't keep me back. Barely recognizable won't keep me back from reaching in and grabbing a hold of Lazarus and rescuing him from the clutches of death. It won't stop him. It won't stop him. That is such a positive word for you and I. It's amazing to me that they had to bury these people within the first 12 hours, I believe it was, because they, they, were, they didn't want to touch these, these, these dead bodies after a certain time. And, 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 and Jesus walks on the scene, and it's, it's three days, and it's weird. And Jesus is like, y'all have got this all messed up. Y'all are trying to put me in this block of time, and I'm trying to show you that I'm bigger than that. I'm bigger than time itself. I want to show you something. And Jesus says, deformity? You're worried about the decay and deformity. And then I want to read you something that's a promise to you and I in Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead. You were dead. Let me interpret that for you. You were messed up. You were decayed. You were deformed. You were dead. You didn't have a lot to offer. You sat sanctified tonight, and I appreciate that. But there was a time that you were in a tomb, and you were dead. You were stinking. Everybody had written you off. Nobody believed that God could come on and still rescue you. The only one that could do that was Jesus. And he cried out. I didn't do that justice a while ago. I read that out of wrong context. Because the Bible distinctly says right there, Jesus called in a loud voice. He called him by name. I don't know if you remember or not. I don't know if you remember when you were dead in the trespasses of your sin. And you were deformed and you were decayed. And nobody was touching you and everybody had given up on you. And all of a sudden in the cold dark dungeon of, of the tomb of sin and darkness and mire and pit. You heard. You didn't just hear, you didn't just hear a call. You heard your name. He knows you by name. And he called to you with a loud voice. Come out of the sin. Come out of the trespasses of sin. I want to show you a new way. I want to show you a life. Nothing, 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 nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. No matter what time it is. You're not going to put him in a box. Pastor Randy, would you help me? You're not. Listen, I need it to make sense for me. I I need it to. I know y'all are not like that. You just take God at his word and it's just, it is what it is. And I'm trying. But I need God to do it on my timetable. I've got an iCal and I need God to line up with that. I need God to show up before the clock strikes zero. Because it's not over till it's over. And there's, there's too many examples to preach of that beautiful truth. But then Jesus would save the third resurrection, uh, Jairus' daughter. Yeah, the, 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 young, the, the widow woman that had a, had a son that she lost and on his way... Uh, be carrying on the casket and Jesus raised him from the dead and he raised the, the little girl from the dead and now Lazarus but it, those were the same day Jesus wanted to prove a point when all hope is gone and you've given up hope he doesn't need your hope he does need you to believe matter of fact before he got to the tomb he said Martha, Martha Mary, Mary do you believe yes Lord I believe 
So I'm not saying he, don't, he doesn't need faith. But I'm saying when you can't muster enough hope and you can't see the end and everything looks lost, it's not over when it's over. Antarctica. So help me if somebody doesn't shout on this, I promise you. I'm going to quit. I'm not. I'm not going to quit. I'll shout myself. Antarctica is one of the most interesting places in the world when it comes to keeping time. We need time, don't we? We got to have it. We're obsessed with it. I thought you'd like this. Technically, Antarctica and the North Pole fall under all time zones currently followed by the rest of the world. This is because the uh, the lines, the, the longitude and the latitude lines that are, are there, they all meet at the two poles. It's all the time zones in one. And so what this means is, is that when I ask you what time it is at the North Pole, ask your neighbor, what, what time is it at the North Pole? It's cold. It's the right season for this question. Here's the answer. It's whatever time you want it to be. You could say that at the North Pole, you have all the time in the world. What time is it at the North Pole? It's whatever time you want it to be. I don't know what time it is in your life. It may be looking late. It may be looking dark. And the game may be in the last few seconds. And your miracle may look a million miles away and time's running out. But in God's kingdom, it's whatever time you want it to be. It's not over till it's over. It's not over till it's over. Stand with me. Maybe you're in a time and a season in your life where it seems like... the. The prayers that you've been praying are about to expire or have expired. The dreams that you dreamed, the thoughts that you had of where you thought you'd be are dead and gone. And you've given up on those and you've carried a lot of dead dreams to the graveside. But you hear me. In God's kingdom, there's no such thing as a time zone. It's whatever time you want it to be. If you want a miracle, now's your time. If you want God to heal you, now is your time. With God, it's not over when it's over. I dare you to believe this tonight. I dare you to believe God for the impossible. I dare you. I dare you to, when you have given up all hope and when your faith has failed and the four days have expired and you're sitting on empty and Lazarus is dead, and Jesus hasn't shown up. And I dare you to believe that whatever you you have in your life, I dare you to believe that He still can heal, He still can raise. Lifelessness, brokenness, decomposing bodies and lives and, and, and clocks running out won't stop Jesus. He just won't be stopped by that. That should encourage us tonight. 
That should encourage you no matter what you're facing. And folks, there's some people facing some things in this room tonight. There's some people facing some, some situations that are deep and that are heavy. Some of you have given up on things. And I've tried to preach you a word tonight. Things that are buried and dead and gone that you haven't thought about. God can still raise up that ministry. God can still raise up that dream. Because he's not fixed by time. I don't care what your watch says. God can still do it. I want you to step out of your pew. I want you to make your way down here for a few moments. We're going to gather in this altar. We're going to gather together. We're going to lift up our hands. We're going to cry out to God. And we're going to tell him, Lord, in spite of what it looks like, in spite of what time it is, I choose to believe. I choose to believe that you still can heal. You still can deliver. It's not over until it's over. Maybe that's where you are tonight. You're dealing with some issues that look like it's about to run out, but you need to hear the word of the Lord. It's not over until it's over. Or maybe you are the person that's here tonight that you have, you have buried too many dreams. You've buried too many marriages. You've buried too many things in your life. You need to hear this. It's not over when it's over. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.